Welcome back to Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm Jonathan, here with Sean. We had a huge weekend of games, uh, really good slave games pretty much all throughout. Uh, USC, they lead the Pac-12 along with UCLA. Uh, Oklahoma State is ranked. Uh, none of the Blue Bloods are ranked. Uh, Illinois is back. And Drake is no longer undefeated. What a weekend of games. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of movement, but just based in like conference standings, the rankings, there's a ton of teams in and out. And, you know, Loyal Chicago's finally ranked, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the one that was kind of the closest, most controversial uh, game from the weekend was Missouri against Alabama. Now, Missouri, they got out to a huge lead. Uh, I think they're up at, at like 20 at one point. Uh, and then they just forget how to play offense, forget how to play defense, let Alabama get back in it. Alabama has a drive, foul, no foul. I think it was a foul. I think you think it's a foul. Should have been called yeah. a foul. Wasn't called a foul. Yeah, definitely. No free throws for Herb Jones. Missouri wins. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, Alabama's getting outplayed for 35 minutes of the game, like, easily, because they just weren't playing good. They're missing shots. They're turning it over a bit, and Missouri's just making shots. But Alabama especially is missing wide-open shots most of the time. But they just went on a crazy, I think, 22-1 to run. They came back. They were down one. They had two chances to take the lead. It, both were Herb Jones' drives. One was a miss, uh, just flat-out miss it. He should have made it. And then the other one, he was fouled by Drew Smith, which ended up getting blocked by Mitchell Smith. And Alabama ends up losing the game because of it. But, I mean, I mean, Alabama came back from a deficit nobody really saw them coming back from. So that was impressive, although they probably should have won it based on Herb Jones getting fouled, but it was a no-call. Yeah, and 21-4 to run over the final few minutes, 21-2 to run if you take out the two free throws. So impre- impressive run for Alabama to just get back in. And this brings me to a uh, point – I was kind of making it on Twitter. Missouri really kind of screwed themselves because, yes, they still win the game, but if they're able to hold on to a 20-point lead and win by 20, their like net efficiency rankings go way up. Uh, right now, they're still 24th in the net. If you beat Alabama by 20, let's say, they're probably like right there. They're probably like 13, 14, 15, like somewhere in the mid-teens where you're like in reasonable consideration for one seed, uh, just not not a good finish to the game. Even though they win, pick up a signature win, I do think that could come back to bite them here uh, a little while down the road. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Missouri's still a team the jury's still out on, I feel like. I, like, they're a good team, but I still have questions when they when they're not hitting shots consistently, they're a really different team. Their defense has kind of faltered throughout the last month or so. I think they're a team that can definitely like make a Sweet 16 run, but their ceiling is extremely limited. Yeah, I I think they're a team that could could make a like Sweet 16, maybe even Elite Eight run, but they could also like if they're three seed, they I could easily see them losing to like. Uh, UC Irvine or Belmont or someone like that. Winthrop. 
Uh, Winthrop might be seed too high for them to lose at the three seed, but they might collapse. They'll lose at Cal State, Santa Barbara, UCSB, Ja'Cory McLaughlin, Amadou So just going to walk in there and destroy the Missouri Tigers. I'm in. Yeah, they, they, they're they not a team I have a ton of confidence in right now. Uh, they have some great wins. Uh, they also have some questionable losses. Uh, and they should have lost to Bradley. Yeah. Bradley's terrible. I mean, they, they, they won, I think, 54-53 or something like that. Jeremiah Tillman drives and gets fouled. They were down two, drives and gets fouled with, like, .1 left, uh, makes the layup and makes a free throw. He's, like, a 41% foul shooter. So the odds of him making that weren't super high. But they got outplayed by Bradley, who's terrible this season. Missouri should have beat Bradley pretty handily. Yeah. And the Mississippi State, and less so the Auburn, but I think that Mississippi State performance wasn't great. But here they are. They, they've now beaten Tennessee on the road. Uh, they now beat Alabama. They won at – they beat Oregon earlier in the year. I think it was the neutral court game, right? Yeah, it was a neutral court game. Yeah, Oregon's uh, first game of the year. Yeah, which I guess that win's not looking as hot right now as it – probably did earlier i think oregon's dropped out of the top 50 in the net uh, at wichita state's a really good win uh, so they have some really quality wins to their resume uh, i still don't know if i trust them uh, especially after watching those final six minutes but credit to them for holding on and winning uh, whether you think it's a foul or not missouri wins yeah very true uh, meanwhile, Oklahoma State, they beat Texas. Uh, I thought this was a kind of noble one. Oklahoma State is now officially ranked. I've been on the Good. Oklahoma State should be ranked bandwagon. They're finally ranked. So we got them there. We got Rutgers back in the top 25. We got Loyola Chicago in the top 25. Love to see it. You love to see it. Uh, but Good win for Oklahoma State. Cade Cunningham played terribly. Uh, you, Fran Fischilla was saying he was not the best Cunningham on the court because he was saying Brock Cunningham was. Uh, but the ridiculous. best player was Caleb Boone, 22 points, 15 rebounds. Really good performance from him. They get the signature win there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was a really close game. Cade Cunningham did struggle, obviously. I think he was like, Six for 23 from the floor, but he still ended up with like 20 points. Played good defense. He missed that bunny on the steal. They easily could have won it right there on the inbound by Texas on their own uh, side of the floor. But when it came down to it, he had that three to tie it in regulation and then hit the dagger three in OT. He just made big plays. He made the right. He made big plays at the right time. And Oklahoma State, I tweeted this yesterday, and people uh, were like, oh, they lost to TC. I'm like, they did. But I do think that Oklahoma State, barring the NCAA doing something stupid and rolling on their case anytime soon, I think they're a team that could make an Elite Eight Final Four run as like a four or five, six seed. I think they're that good. And it's more than just Cade Cunningham. Cunningham's great, but they have so many pieces on that team. Mike Boynton's a great coach. I think this is a team that can make a run in March for sure. Yeah. And when it comes to Oklahoma State, I think they've done themselves a great job putting this is kind of the win. As long as they take care of business, they have two games against Kansas State and Iowa State, both at home. Uh, 
win those, and I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Now, obviously, if you win one of those other games, that would obviously help. If, let's say, they beat Kansas tonight, uh, we'll talk about that later, that would obviously help even more. But they take care of Kansas State and Iowa State. I think they'll be in the NCAA tournament. I can't wait to watch them, and it hopefully, I mean, you can't trust the NCAA to do themselves any favors, but they would be extremely, like, miraculously stupid if they decided to ban the team with the number one prospect in the country uh, from the NCAA tournament. Yeah, just, uh, here, here's what you do, NCAA. You say, oh, we're scheduled to get to this, oh, February 15th. How about, uh, move it back yeah, three months. March, March 30th, we'll rule on this. Oh, they had yeah. upheld their ineligible next year. Oh, darn, we we missed getting them out of this year's NCAA tournament. How or dare we? Or just accept their appeal and don't ban them any time. That works for me, too. But just just make sure Cade plays in this one, please. Yeah, just and don't I mean, do anything. You don't have to do anything, NCAA. And Mike Boynton, by the way, he's such a good coach and just such a good dude. I mean, you see that post-game video, how he talks to the team there's a reason that Cade went there other than his brother he said the main reason he went there is because of his relationship with Mike Boynton he recruited him since he was a freshman in high school just the way Mike Boynton talks to the guys the way they look like a family they look like a a real family like it's crazy some team some players and coaches don't get along you can tell how well uh, Mike Boynton his team get along and how much they want to win for him yeah absolutely Uh, he's He's one of the good up-and-coming coaches, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does in the future because let's say they, the NCAA upheld, upholds the tournament ban next year. Uh, the, even the following year, they're going to be really good. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they have some really good pieces. Rondell Walker is going to be – Rondell Walker is a future star. Like, yeah. it, next Caleb year, that's his Boone, team. Uh, Avery Anderson. Like, these are players that are going to be – Isaac uh, Likely. Good in the future. Yeah. Uh, but good win for Oklahoma State. As for Texas, uh, I'm not going to take too much away from this. They they go five from 35 from three. Uh, Andrew Jones goes two of 13 from three. Like, Matt Coleman goes 0 of 7 from three. And they... It's not like they're shooting like half court step back fade away fall away shots with wide open like half of those. Yeah, like I couldn't believe my eyes. I mean, there was they were there was like two possessions in a row where they got like four offensive rebounds and shot four threes wide open. They missed all of them. I'm just like that just can't happen. Like. I wasn't sure what they were from three, but it was like five for 31 at the end of regulation. And I don't think they scored a single field goal in over in either overtime. Like they deserve to lose that game for sure. Like, yeah, but you're not going to shoot five for 35 from three. Uh, like the, the water averages are going to go back up uh, and credit to them for going to double overtime on the road at Oklahoma State, shooting five for three, five from three. Very it's, true. Yeah. Credit to them for that. Uh, their three-point percentage on the seasons now at 33% as a team, uh, which probably was, I don't know the exact numbers, probably over 35% uh, 
before this game, I would assume. So not not a terrible loss. Uh, and for Texas, they have a pretty easy upcoming schedule. They play at Kansas State, TCU this week. Um, at Oklahoma will be a revenge game, but then at Iowa State. So three of the four, they should absolutely win. And then the other ones, Oklahoma, who they will at least have their full complement of players when they play them this time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State's a great team. I like what they have on the team. And I, like I said, I think they could be a total second weekend potential Final Four team. I just, this is a really, really good team. Yeah, uh, another really, really good team. It's the USC Trojans. Um, we we were talking about this was this is a signature game for UCLA. They're going to get the win. We were wrong. Uh, now I will give well, it we have, that they didn't have their yeah. two starting centers. Uh, they still don't have Chris Smith, but USC dominate. They took advantage uh, of this game. Evan Mobley didn't even really play all that great, and it was just the Ethan Anderson Taji show. You're going to double and triple team Evan Mobley inside. That's fine. Uh, we have we have other playmakers. So credit to UFC for getting the win. Uh, and defensively, they did a really good job. Uh, they shut down Tiger Campbell. Uh, Juzang had. He had 13, but really inefficient 13 points, 6 of 21 mm-hmm. from the field. So they really kind of just cut the head of the snake and Tiger Campbell off. And from there, uh, UCLA didn't really stand much chance. No, UCLA did not play good at all. They scored 48 points. Anytime you do that, you're going to lose. And, you know, they did get a good performance from Mackie Etienne, a true freshman who reclassified. Uh, or I guess he more so graduated high school and then opted to go to school early since it's going to be a free year. But this was his first game in college, and he had a very good game, eight points, I believe six rebounds, two steals, and a block. And he defended Mobley pretty well for the most part. His energy was great. He brought a lot to the team without Hill and Riley, played nearly 30 minutes. He's a guy to watch in the future, even if it's not this season, when Riley and Hill come back. But he's definitely worth watching throughout his career because he showed flashes. But USC is a really good team. I did have questions the way coming into the year, the way that they would mesh because they have so many new guys. But Tajidi's been fantastic. The transfer from Santa Clara, Ethan Anderson's really stepped up since he came back from his back injury. Uh, the Mobley twin, or not twins, but Mobley brothers are obviously great. Then you have uh, Drew Peterson, who's a very good piece. They just have a lot going. They're a good defensive team. They can score. I think this is a team that is probably the best team in the Pac-12, and they could definitely make a run in March, too. Yeah, and you know who predicted this preseason? Bill Walton. Bill Walton was on the he call. He did. I remember that. Yeah, he he said first first game he did all season, this, this USC team is the best team in the Pac-12. I thought he was a moron. I probably tweeted about it. Here he is, uh, USC, currently tied for the lead uh, with UCLA for the Pac-12 lead. Uh, good good for the Trojans. I mean, Evan Mobley, I mean, when you have him, things get easier for sure. Yeah, most definitely. And I 
checking the rankings here, but they moved into number 20 in the rankings now after previously being unranked. They also moved up into, I believe, the five line in my bracketology. So USC is going to get a high seed this year. Oh, boy. I mean, the net oh, loves seed, them, right? Four they're, seed. Four seed. They're now. what, top 20 in the net? Uh, I know they're like 15th in Ken 15th. Palm. 15th. And fifth, I think they're 15th in Ken Palm, too. I mean, people like to say the Pac-12 doesn't have a great team. USC is a great team. USC is the Pac-12's greatest team. There we go. Bet They'd be the best team in the ACC also. We, we have people that would uh, not agree with that take. Yeah, there's a lot of people. The yeah. Pac-12 bias is very high these days. Uh, but would they be a top five team in the Big 12? Because the Big 12 also has West Virginia, who beat Kansas by a score 91-79. to 79. Kansas is outside the top 25 for the first time uh, since 2009, I believe. Uh, Miles McBuckets was just putting on a show. He, he's... Like, guarded, step back three, didn't matter. Like, he was making everything. Uh, he was in a groove. Taj Sherman was in a groove. They, they made some, like, there were some good contested shots, and they just made them. Uh, credit to West Virginia making tough shots, and they get the good victory over Kansas. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't I don't know what to think about Kansas at this point. I just think they're lacking talent. This is one of the least talented Kansas squads probably, like, ever. I mean, there's players on the team, like Abaji's good. Jalen Wilson, when he's going, is good. David McCormick can be good. They just don't have that guy, and I think that's going to be an issue for the Jayhawks down the season. They're probably going to be a 4-5 or five seed, if I had to guess, and I think they could be upset in the first round. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, but... For West Virginia, I think for them to get this type of, like, they didn't play great defensively, but, you know, to allow 79 points, but still, uh, this is a team, they put up 91 against a pretty good Kansas defense. Uh, 70, they put up 88 against Texas Tech a couple weeks ago. Uh, this offense is totally transformed into being one of the best uh, offenses in the Big 12, and I think a large part of it needs to be on the shoulders of Bob Huggins deciding to go for round one with Culver, and then Miles McBride, Taj Sherman uh, becoming elite shot makers. Sean McNeil has had his games in the past, didn't have too big of a performance in this one, but those those are pieces that are starting to really play well together. And West Virginia is playing outstanding. Yeah, definitely. I mean, West Virginia is not a team. And I think this team looks better without Oscar Sheebway because they just have more shooting on the floor. They have more ability to stress the floor. It's not so congested inside uh, because you know that Sheebway and Culver are going to be occupying the paint. They can actually stretch the floor more with McNeil. They can have Sherman. They can have McBride. And they could have Matthews even sit on the perimeter a bit. He's not a great shooter, but he can knock him down. There's just more offensive flow without Shibway. And I think Shibway's a great player. I think he would still make this team very good. But I think just the way today's game is transformed, I think that having less bigs is better. Yeah, most definitely. 
unless your name is North Carolina and you're playing against Duke, because North Carolina, they, they beat Duke 91-87. Caleb Love had the breakout game. We, we were kind of like waiting for it. Uh, I was saying gonna he's, he's looking better as the season goes along. Like he did, he looked terrible to start the year, but he, he just kept looking better, looking better. And this is the game, signature game, 25 points, seven assists, uh, beats Duke and Cameron Endor. Uh, yeah, there's no Cameron crazies. Yeah, Duke is terrible this year, but a really big win. Uh, why I think that one puts North Carolina firmly in the NCAA tournament field and Duke uh, back on the NIT bubble. Uh, but another one, like you start to build confidence uh, if you're North Carolina moving forward that, yeah, this isn't the best Duke team, but we can go out and you know win in tough environments. Uh, we can go beat our rival and show up to the big-time games. Uh, I think this is a big win for North Carolina going forward for not only this year, but going into the next. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, yeah, I mean, you just – I I uh, I hit with what you said for sure. I do, The one thing I want to hit here is that I people like to talk about the fans and all that. Like, if you have to rely on fans for your team to be good, you don't have a good team. Yeah. Fans help the teams, uh, but it like it it goes the other way because like some players are wired differently where they like like if you're going you're playing at home, uh, whatever, but you're going in a big time atmosphere road game. Some players like getting up for that. I know some players have even talked about in that past. They like playing that big time road game. Uh, it depends on the player, but uh, if you're relying on home court advantage to be there for you, uh, you're you're just not going to get the same fan support every game, and you still need to win. Uh, if you're getting zero fans or eight thousand fans, I don't know how much Cameron Indoor seats, but end of the day, uh, you can't rely solely on fans to win the game, and they had. Artificial crowd noise. So it wasn't like nothing. Yeah, very true. But overall, good win for North Carolina going forward. Uh, another one of the traditional powerhouses, Indiana, they beat uh, they beat Iowa 67-65. to Armand Franklin hits the game-winning jumper. Uh, was wide open, terrible defense once again by Iowa, who could have seen that coming. Fran McCaffrey once again goes off on uh, a reporter named Mark Emmert. Uh, not the terrible one that runs the NCAA, but a uh, different Mark Emmert. I didn't know there was another one until I heard this story. That is uh, quite remarkable there. Yeah. Uh, Fran was asked, why did you sit Luca Garza for the final 12 minutes of the first half? Uh, he, he was not pleased with the uh, question. Reasonable uh, question. You bench the best yeah. player in the sport for nearly the entire half. You're just asking to lose. Yeah. And then the, the other thing, too, is like 
in the second half, he fell. He plays all 20 minutes. He fell zero times. Like, I can see, okay, picks up two cheap ones in the first eight minutes. Uh, we'll bench him for the next four minutes, right? But, like, one thing, too, is that takes the player out of rhythm uh, offensively because you're, you're not on the court for 12 minutes. You're taken out of the court offensively. I, I think, like, a lot of the smart coaches – We'll play them like two minutes per tier, two minutes per tier to where like you're not risking the player getting picking up his third, but you're still letting him stay within the rhythm of the game. Garza wasn't really with, able to stay in the rhythm of the game, uh, struggled a little bit for uh, early in the second half, picked up late, but ultimately uh, not, not the best Luca Garza game. Yeah, and Garza just didn't look comfortable till nearly the end of the game. And most of that is probably because he was sitting on the bench for most of the first half. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Unless he has three or four fouls in the first half, then bench him if he has four fouls, maybe three. If you're benching him with two fouls, you're asking to lose. I mean, I, I just don't get what Fran McCaffrey was thinking. I think this year's really exposing how bad of a coach he actually is. Yeah, it- and part of the thing, too, is, like, they're still without uh, C.J. Frederick, who's an elite shooter. So, yeah, that like, matters, but... Yeah. But at the end of the day, you still have Bohannon, you still have Wieskamp. Uh, Frederick, he'll, I think he'll be back at some point. When he's back, I will we'll have three lights-out shooters, but... Like, you still need to win these type of games even without C.J. Frederick on the court, uh, and they failed to get it done. The defense was not great on that last possession. Uh, really good play uh, to get Armand Franklin uh, an open jumper for the win. And Indiana, uh, they're now 10-8. and eight. They're above the Archie Miller rule. They play at Northwestern this week. That's going to be a huge game for them. Is if Very they, true. If they win that game, now you're 11 and 8. Now they're in a pretty good position going down the home stretch to get in the tournament, but they lose that game. I I think this uh, this Northwestern game is going to be absolutely critical for them making the NCAA tournament. Northwestern's lost like what nine straight. Yes. You can't lose to Northwestern. Can't can't happen. And you definitely can't get swept by them. You can't do that. No. I mean, Northwestern, uh, looking back at that Michigan State-Northwestern game, I feel like we learned more about Michigan State than we learned about Northwestern in that game. Yeah. And credit Northwestern. They won their first three Big Ten games. That's great. Uh, Northwestern, they are who we thought they were. Yep. Uh, Meanwhile, staying in the Big Ten – Illinois looks really good. Uh, they beat Wisconsin handily. Io DeSumnu had a triple-double in this game. He finished with 21 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists. Kofi Coburn, 23 points, 14 rebounds. Uh, and kind of the rest of the team just filled out the roles from there. Uh, really good win for Illinois. They look like a legitimate top-five team in the country. 
Yeah, I mean, I have Illinois ranked third where I had them in the preseason. My top three uh, is exactly what it was coming into the year now is uh, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Illinois. Uh, I had Villanova fourth in the preseason. I have Michigan fourth now. But uh, this Illinois team can win it all. I mean, I've been saying that. I'm not surprised. I I think people need to realize how good this Illinois team really is because when you have a guy like Io DeSumo, you have a guy like Kofi Coburn, two guys that Io's an All-American. Kofi could be an All-American. Io might win National Player of the Year in other years where Luka Garza's not there. And you have guys like Andre Curbelo making plays. Trent Frazier's hitting his shots. Demonte Williams is a good glue guy. Jacob Grandison can hit some threes. Georgie Bashanisvili can come off the bench and give, give you some minutes. This is a really good Illinois team. They're the best team in the Big Ten. And I think outside of Gonzaga and Baylor, they're the biggest threat to win the national championship. Yeah. And with Io, I think he's a clear first-team All-American at this point. Uh, some people have said, well, we should just fill the first-team All-Americans out with Luca Garza and two Gonzaga, two Baylor players. Um, I If you're not putting Io to Sunu on your first-team All-American, what – you should be revoked of your vote because he's fantastic. Whether you vote for him National Player of the Year, uh, that's different, but he should be a first-team All-American. Absolutely. And then for the rest of the team, they have Coburn, who's I, – I don't think he's an All-American, but he's he's a fantastic center. He's seven-foot dunk machine, uh, great rebounder, great – uh, interior score like he's fantastic and then they just have guys who know their roles Trent Frazier he's just gonna play his role he's you know if he gets hot that he's gonna you know keep shooting but if he's not hot he's just gonna pass the ball move the ball along like Grandison Miller uh Curbelo uh Vili, Demonte Williams like all those players kind of know their roles and that that's what makes Illinois a really tough matchup because you have a team that's starting to figure out what their identity is and they're playing well using their identity. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and talking about Wisconsin here, I feel like this is another game where they just got out athleted. Like they they just don't have the athleticism to de- de- compete with teams like Illinois. Yeah, I agree. I think they're. Coming into the year, I was kind of high on them because they were, like, running it back. I thought Micah Potter would take a step forward, uh, which he has. But they're just they're – kind of, they kind of are what they are, a bunch of old players. Um, they play good basketball, but at the end of the day, they're not going to be contending for a national championship. They're just outclassed whenever they go – against someone that's better than them and good enough to beat everyone else. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do like Micah Potter a lot, as people probably know, listen to this. I'm a big fan. Nate Reavers has not been good this year, by the way. No. That's that's one of the biggest issues. Yeah, that's part of it. Um, he's not been great. Uh, two more here. One, head out to the Mountain West. Nevada, they beat Boise State twice this weekend. Uh, first, 74-72. to 72. Uh, 
Boise had a shot to win the game, uh, hit every single part of the rim, goes out. Boise then again loses 73-62. to Now, Nevada's not a bad team, per se, but losing two games to Nevada, like I think they could, if they lose one, oh well, forget about it, but these are now two quadrant two losses. Not great. Uh, they they do have the wins at BYU at Colorado State, but for Boise State they they've kind of dug themselves a path to where they need to start. You know, I think they need to finish at least four and two to finish the year to make the NCAA tournament at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like. I'm a big fan of this team overall. Boise State's really talented. Derek Olson Jr. is a superstar. Then you have guys like Ray J. Dennis. You have Emmanuel Acott, who's a great defender. You have Abu Kijab, who's a very good player on both ends of the floor. Devin Erdu Shreve, who was eligible midseason just about. He's coming around, and he's going to be a really good player too. Uh, Maladin Armouche, he's a pretty decent player. He has to finish shots more. But talking about Nevada, I mean, Grant Sherfield is an absolute – monster he's gonna be mountain west player of the year in the wichita state transfer he's in a you know what a what an ad he was for nevada then you look at desmond cambridge he's really turned it around he's more efficient than he was in his two seasons playing for brown and then you have a couple freshmen like daniel foster and trey coleman that'll play big roles throughout their career warren washington at a double double in nevada i tweeted this yesterday and people are like oh you're overreacting because of this game it has nothing to do with this game i Based in my head, thinking about what rosters could be next year, I don't see a way I I have Nevada outside of like the top 10 or 12 going into next year. You look at Grant Shurfield, you look at Desmond Cambridge coming back, you have Trey Coleman, then you had Addison Patterson, a former top 50 recruit, and then you had Will Baker, a former five-star recruit. They're going to wreak havoc on the Mountain West next season. Yeah, they'll they'll certainly be very good uh, for Boise. They, this upcoming week, they have to sweep UNLV for starters. Uh, then they play Utah State at home. Uh, and then at San Diego State twice. So that's six games left on the schedule. I think if you're able to go 4-2 and two in that, I think they're on the right side of the bubble. Uh, but you know, if they stumble down the stretch, this you could go back to this Nevada loss. Uh, two quadrant, two losses on the road, back-to-back. Not bad losses, but kind of the start of what could be the stumbling Demise. Stress. Yeah, the demise. Yeah. I mean, so I mean you, you, they, they need ideally, to win these next two games for certain, and then uh, beat Utah State. I'd say even beat them twice just to make sure. If you finish 5-1 and one on the season, Boise's can make the tournament but need to start picking up some wins yeah i mean ideally you at least split against nevada they didn't that that's not great where are they in the net now let me see here because i know they were top 20 before this series and they were 32nd after the first game they 36. are now 36 i mean it's yeah. not terrible uh that has them right above oklahoma state right behind virginia tech in the mix with teams like vcu lsu st louis Seton Hall, uh, Colorado State, Indiana, but they need to start winning more games. I think they can really only afford one more loss in 
it can only come to Utah State because they're also probably a tournament team. They lose to UNLV, that would be detrimental to their hopes of making the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. Yeah. Don't lose to UNLV, please. If you're listing Boise State and you want to make the tournament, um, that would not be a good good idea. Yeah, don't want to do that. No. Um, meanwhile, Drake, they lose to Valparaiso. First loss of the season. They're now 18-1. and one. Uh, Yeah, just a tough loss for Drake. They, they kind of were flirting. Uh, first with Missouri State, they let them in the game a couple times. Nearly lost to Illinois State. Uh, nearly lost to Valparaiso the first time. Valparaiso finally catches up to them. Uh, picks up the win. Uh, now Drake, you know, they, they're 18 one on this season. Uh, I think if they can split with Loyola Chicago and take care of the rest of their business, they're in the NCAA tournament. But things things become a little bit more tricky if they uh, start to lose outside of that. Yeah, I mean, Valpo really should have had them in the first meeting. They blew the lead, like you said. But in this one, I watched the whole game. It was dominating from start to finish, pretty much. Drake only led once in the entire game at 13-12. to 12. They never led again. And they made a run to make it a 10-point game. Roman Penn did that by himself. It was 17 and went to 10, all because of Roman Penn. Then Roman Penn fouls out. That was pretty much the game. And Valpo, you know, they lost a lot. They lost Javon Freeman and Liberty coming into the year. But Matt Lodditch is really turning things around. Valpo's going to be a team to watch the next few years uh, in the Valley with Sheldon Edwards, who's a freshman, but he has future star written all over him. But talking about Drake here, I, they really can only afford one more loss, if you think about it, and it's probably to Loyola Chicago. If they lose twice to Loyola Chicago, which is very possible, I don't. I think that hurts them, but I don't think it hurts them to the point where they're out of the tournament. But they can't lose to Bradley. They can't lose to anybody else. They can't lose to Northern Iowa this week. They have to beat the teams that they're significantly better than. Absolutely. Uh, take care of Northern Iowa this week, and then we'll talk about it on the next podcast. They have a big upcoming series against uh, Loyola Chicago. Uh, Going to be huge for, I think, overall, just the Missouri Valley as a whole. Uh, to see. It'll be a fun one. Definitely yeah. stay tuned to YouTube for that. We'll definitely be doing a video on that. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Uh, tough loss for them. Need, need to bounce back, though, against Northern Iowa. Meanwhile, it is time to get into some picks. Uh, going to start with some games tonight. Go kind of throughout the week making the picks. First game here. Oklahoma State at Kansas. I think you have a surprising result here. Yeah, I'm going to Oklahoma State straight up. You can take the points if you want. I'm taking them to win. Uh, I tweeted this. My upset of the day is 3-3 three and three on a little dry streak here. Didn't do one yesterday. But I, this is my pick for upset of the day, Oklahoma State. I just like what they have. I think uh, Caleb Boone's going to be able to destroy David McCormick. He's just way too athletic for McCormick. And Oshai Abaji and Jalen Wilson have to hit shots, and I'm not sure that they'll be able to. Cade Cunningham should take over. Isaac Likely, I think, has a really big game. And Rondell Walker, this could be, you know, he had a 20-point game earlier in the year. I think this could be like the Rondell Walker coming out party. I'm going to go with Kansas in this one. 
Uh, it's really hard to pick against Kansas when they're on the when they're at Allen Fieldhouse, uh, especially in a matchup where they played earlier in the season and Kansas nearly picks up the win on the road late. I think Bill Self will have some sort of plan to stop Cade Cunningham, so I'm going to go with the Jayhawks in this one. Uh, Ohio State at Maryland. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to do this, but screw it. I'm taking Maryland. Uh, As am I. Yeah. Ohio State's been coming. You know, they're, they're playing really hot. They get a huge win at Iowa. This is kind of a letdown spot for Ohio State. And, you know, this is a Maryland team. Usually the teams that beat them just kind of overwhelm them athletically. Like they – against Wisconsin, tough loss there. Uh, Michigan, Hunter Dickinson has just been able to eat them alive. Uh, but when Maryland wins, it's because they don't really get overwhelmed athletically. And Ohio State's not an overwhelming team athletically. They're a really good offensive team. But – you know, offense can struggle sometimes. And I think this is a game, Ohio State, they, for whatever reason, the shots just don't go their way. Uh, EJ Lydell maybe fouls out, gets in foul trouble, uh, fouls out or something like that. And Maryland wins. Upset yeah, these are, day for me. I'm going Maryland too. These are two teams that love to shoot the ball from deep. And it's still tough to win on the road in the Big Ten, even without fans. And I think that, Maryland is a pretty good team, and they've been able to knock off some good teams. They beat Illinois uh, in Champaign. They won in Madison against Wisconsin. Uh, they beat, I think, did they win at Indiana? No. Yeah? No. Maybe. They might have. They beat Purdue also, uh, I think. I'm probably remembering something wrong in there. Maryland? They, yeah. They've won at Illinois. They won at, at Minnesota. Wisconsin. At Minnesota. That's the third one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Maryland's a solid team. Eric is having a great season. Aaron Wiggins, I think, is a real key, though, because he, I believe he's a good shooter. He struggled the last two seasons shooting 31% both years. Before the Penn State game where they lost 55-50 to 50 last week, he was 7-for-16 uh, in his previous two games. If they get that version of Aaron Wiggins shooting the three, I think they'll be in a very good spot. But they have to find a way to stop E.J. Liddell because they really struggled post-defense. That's Dante Scott's job or that's Jarius Hamilton's job. Whichever one of those two can try and contain E.J. Liddell, that'll be the biggest thing there. But I think Maryland's going to sneak out with a victory and solidify their spot in March. All right, moving forward to uh, Tuesday night. West Virginia will play at Texas Tech. Uh, this is a game earlier in the year. Uh, Texas Tech, they picked up the win. Uh, or West Virginia picked up the win on the Miles McBucket shot, uh, Texas Tech loss. I think Texas Tech's going to win. They're favored by four, according to Haslametrics. I have them winning and covering the four. I think they're a similar team. West Virginia's come off a really good win against Kansas. I think maybe even a letdown spot for them going to Texas Tech. So I'm going to go with the Red Raiders here. This is a tough one. Uh, you know, Texas Tech's shown uh, games where they can't score. Like against Oklahoma last week, they scored 57, and they barely beat Oklahoma without Austin Reeves and Alondis Williams. They scored 57 in a game against Kansas earlier. So both, both those games were at home. Uh, I think we're going to see a similar thing in this one. 
I think this is going to be a significantly different game than the first one. I think West Virginia is going to win, and I think it's going to be because of Derek Culver who didn't have a good game the first time. All right. There's the pick. Uh, meanwhile, Arkansas will play at Kentucky um, also on Tuesday. Uh, the line, according to Haslametrics, is dead even. Who do you like straight up? It's a bubble matchup. Uh, CBI bubble team versus NCAA tournament bubble team. Who do you like in this one? Give me Kentucky. I think uh, Arkansas is fraudulent. You can't trust them for sure. Uh, I just I just don't think they're a great team. I think B.J. Boston's been pretty he, – he has been pretty bad this season. Terrence Clark, maybe he plays. Maybe he doesn't play. Maybe he never plays for Kentucky again. Uh, I guess we'll see. But I think this is a game where, like, Isaiah Jackson could have a big game. I just think that Arkansas is not great, and I think Kentucky's bad too. But I think Kentucky's going to be able to win at home. They can't lose every game the rest of the season. So That is true. I'm also going to go with Kentucky. Uh, I I think they're they're playing much better recently. Yeah, they, they lost to Tennessee, but they looked good for 30 minutes of that game. Uh, 35 and, even. Yeah. So they're, they're playing better. B.J. Boston's starting to score a little bit better. I'm going to go with Kentucky in this one. I'm with you. All right. Rutgers at Iowa. Iowa's favored by seven. Um, no matter what happens, I'm going to get this game wrong. Uh, so I'm going to go, I guess, Iowa minus seven. I'll, I'll even take the points. I'll take Rutgers with the points. Uh, you're right. I, I feel like this is one I'm going to get wrong either way. But, I mean, I guess one of us will get it right, I think, right? There's no way. Yeah, I'm taking the points yeah. with Rutgers. You're taking them with Iowa. I think Rutgers could win the game. I just don't trust this Iowa team. I just I, – Iowa's bad. I mean, they're not bad, but they're not good. Their defense is terrible. I could probably go find a middle school team that can drop 50 or 60 on them. But I just – they can't score – they can't stop people ever. And I think that Ron Harper Jr. is going to have a big game. Hopefully, Geo Baker has a big game. Jacob Young. I feel like Rutgers has too many offensive weapons. And Rutgers almost beat them the first time before they went on their giant losing streak. Yeah. Totally reasonable there. I I have no confidence in this pick. Uh, Virginia at Georgia no, Tech here. No. Uh, Virginia is favored by five. Now, earlier in the season, they played. And Georgia Tech had a shot to win the game. Didn't go in, obviously. So they led for most of the game, too. Georgia Tech played a great game. Uh, this is a time where they can pick up a signature victory uh, against a Virginia team that ranks really high in pretty much all the metrics. Uh, do you like the Yellow Jackets to pick up a signature win here? I think I do. I mean, I like this Virginia team a lot. But Jose Alvarado, I mean, what a season he's having. I think if I think if uh, Georgia Tech like keeps winning games, he might not only be like ACC Player of the Year, but he could be an All American. I mean, he's having an unbelievable season: seventeen point six a game, three point seven boards, four point four assists, three point one steals. He's shooting fifty three percent from the field and forty three percent from deep. He's sneakily having one of the best seasons in the country this year. I think that Virginia or uh, Georgia Tech's gonna be able to win this one just because of the guard duo of Jose Alvarado and Mike Duvo. Uh, Kihei Clark's fine; he struggles a lot sometimes, but 
I just think top to bottom, just with guard plays, what wins you games in college basketball, give me Georgia Tech. I'm going to go with Georgia Tech to cover the spread, but lose. I, I, I thought this over, and my thinking is Georgia Tech's right there with Virginia. I think it's going to be a really close game, but it's Georgia Tech. You can't trust them to win a close game, so I'm going to go with Virginia. Very fair analysis there. I'm with that. Right. Indiana Northwestern, we teased this earlier. Um, oh, God. Must win for Indiana. They are four-point favorites against Northwestern. Uh, they just get the signature win. Northwestern's lost four straight. Uh, they were pretty close, though, against Purdue on the road. They're pretty close against Rutgers. I'm going to go with Northwestern to win. Uh, Whoa. Whoa. It, really? This, this is this is a prime losing spot for Archie Miller here. Uh, Indiana's going to feel all high and mighty. They just beat in the Iowa for the second time. Uh, They're the, the building confidence, and, of course, Northwestern's going to dash that confidence. Very fair. Uh, Northwestern's kind of bad. So I think I'm going to go with Indiana winning because I, I just don't trust Northwestern. Like, they won, like, the first three conference games they played, and everyone's like, oh, man, Northwestern might be able to win tournament games, including me. And I was incorrect uh, because they're terrible. And I think that Indiana's going to win this one pretty handily. All right, this one was on the outline, nor does Haslam – Metrics have the current spread out, but Pitt at Louisville has some interest. Pitt's a... Uh, well, it would have interest if it didn't get canceled because of COVID. That is... So, so the CBS Sports app, app needs to update the games. Moral of the story. I'm with you. All right. I'm with you. Uh, another interesting one here. Uh, Missouri at Ole Miss... The line is even for this one. Um, Ole Miss coming off a nice win against Auburn. Missouri's obviously coming off a great win against Alabama. We talked on them earlier in the show. Um, I like Ole Miss in this one. I I, I just have a strange feeling Missouri's going to lose. Yeah, I agree. I think that... Ole Miss is going to play a good game. I like Devontae Shuler a lot. He had the game winner against Auburn. Romello White had a huge game against Auburn also. And they have other pieces like Luis Rodriguez. He's a pretty good player. I think that Ole Miss is a good – they're not a tournament-level team, but they're a good enough team to be able to upset teams. And I think that's what we're going to see in this one. All right. Next one, Colorado at Stanford. Um, This Not inside Boulder Arena. Not inside Boulder Coliseum. Um, so yeah, give me, give me Stanford here. Uh, they're playing at home. They're get they're getting two points as well. So they're, they're two point underdogs at home, Colorado. They only win games at Bowler Coliseum. Give me the Cardinal here. I'm with you. Yeah. Give me Stanford. Oscar De Silva definitely could be the conference player of the year. He is fantastic. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at it, 
Zaire Williams was active but didn't play. Michael O'Connell's really emerged as a really good freshman in college basketball. I think that the defense of Stanford is going to be able to stifle Colorado enough to the point where they will win this game. Yeah, and Stanford, they they need this win. I think if they can sweep this Colorado-Utah stretch, uh, as long as they don't do anything dumb like lose to Washington State or Washington, uh, I think they're in the NCAA tournament. That would be great. You know, let's get the conference of champions, a lot of teams in the tournament. I am with that all the way. All right. Last one, Purdue at Minnesota. Um, Minnesota's one-point underdogs, according to Eric Haslametrics. Um, that makes no sense to me. It's what? What's the game? Minnesota's playing who again? Purdue will play at Minnesota. Uh, well, it's in the barn. Yeah. That's that's so the are thing. You saying it should be more than one point. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah, the I'm barn the barn's like a fifteen point swing. Get, I'll take I'll take barn Minnesota all day. Yeah, uh, especially getting points. You you don't give Minnesota points at the barn. You don't. No. No. no, no. Now now if you you're you're playing at your own home court, absolutely Minnesota is going to lose. But Minnesota is not going to win. Not going to lose at the bar. There's just no way no. it's going to happen. Playing Barn, Minnesota, that's a, that's a death wish right there. Yeah. Barn, Minnesota is up there with, uh, you know, they're, they're not quite at the level that Gonzaga and Baylor are. But, like, if they played, not far off. they played them at the barn, it would be the closest game either of those teams have had this season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It would only be like a four-point victory, not not a 16-point victory. Barn, Minnesota, different team. Barn, Minnesota. Well, that will wrap it up for this edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. We'll be back on later this week uh, for what should be another fun episode. Uh, Stay tuned.